All righty, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from all across the giant planet Earth, it's time once again for another... Another content-filled episode of V8 Radio today, Kevin. Wow, content-filled. So I was yeah. going to say uh, salty, but that's just me. Salty. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm your host, Kevin Oste, joined, as always, by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Hubal-Clark. I'm a, I'm a little salty that I didn't didn't pick up on the uh, on the word there. <laughs> well, yes, we'll we'll get there. Yeah, I'm a little out of sorts. We uh, we skipped. We, I think we only skipped a week. Yeah, but it seems like six months because our previous <laughs> episode uh, was in an unusual format. We were all in the same room and we had a guest, and a lot's been going on. So I'm a little little out of my shorts here today. So forgive me. <laughs> Well, keep your pants on. <laughs> yeah, well, the weather's nice enough. I can do that. Right, right on. Well, as uh, as loyal V8 Radio listeners, I'm sure you're all aware that we <clears throat> tend to start this show with a trivia question, or at least we used to. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to give that a whirl once again. And uh, what do you got? Do you have? A, did you prepare a trivia question for us today? I did prepare a trivia question. Yeah, I uh, I, I cooked it up last night here uh, for us. Ooh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, that's what I do, man. It's in my show notes and everything. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, Kevin, as you know, way back in the day, um, uh, in the internal combustion engine in cars, periodically you would have to decoke the engine, and uh, that was, you know, a pretty invasive process. But what was that process of decoking, and uh, why did they have to do it? And is that something that still has to be done today? Wow, that's like a that's a multi-part question there, Frank. Gonna make you earn this one, fella. Yes. Well, all right. I'll give it a I'll give it a crack. <clears throat> the old college try. Right. Because uh, you went to college. I, I did. I went to three of them. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I, I, say, there's no excuses for you not to get this. <laughs> I got hosed. I went to three colleges and only got one degree. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Coke, okay, to the best of my knowledge, which is limited, uh, uh, Coke is a, is a byproduct, right? A combustion pro- byproduct like soot or ash. And uh, mm-hmm. a zillion years ago, the engines uh, that you're referring to had lesser, well, let me, I'm not even going to compare it to today. I'm just going to say what happened. As the, the gasoline would burn in the combustion chamber, a percentage of the engine oil would also burn with it. And when that stuff burned, it would produce combustion byproducts, one of which is soot or ash mm. or coke. Mm. Mm. And that stuff tended to uh, um, collect on the valves <clears throat> and throughout the engine eventually. Uh, so you had to remove that stuff because if you didn't, the valves didn't seal that great. Uh, mm. your piston rings would, would do funny stuff. Um, and eventually the engine didn't run that great. So the decoking process, uh, in its worst case would be a teardown and you would mm. actually physically clean, clean all the parts, uh, which gets into another fun trivia question. What's a piston expander? Oh, Ooh, yeah. Wow. Tune in next time, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving that one up this just yet. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but you would, uh, you know, separate the rings from the pistons and file all the junk out of them and, and put the <clears throat> valve back in the heads and all that stuff. Flathead engines, um, you know, were notorious for this. Uh, and then 
you'd be on your way and the engine would run much better. And over time, hmm. engine management and engine architecture design evolved so that uh, this process was minimized, as did lubrication technology too. So mm. the overhead valve engines um, had less of a problem just because the way they manage airflow. Piston ring advances came along. Uh, the positive crankcase ventilation system or PCV came along. So you'd get a lot of that junk out of the crankcase and vent mm. it and actually reintroduce it in the combustion path and burn it out. Right. The EGR concept, the exhaust gas recirculation, got rid of a lot of that. And uh, another, another factor, of course, was the tune of the carburetor, right? So if it was running rich, um, you would have excess fuel, which would end up as unburnt fuel in that ash and coke. Uh, and as the technology advanced, now we have electronic fuel injection systems with feedback and the oxygen sensor that tune and make sure the nearly ideal stoichiometric air fuel ratio is maintained. Whoa. Yeah, you did go to college. Stoichiometric. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> I just learned that the stoichiometric ratio has has changed. The ideal stoichiometric well. ratio used to be uh, fourteen seven to one air to fuel, and and now they're saying it's down by fourteen three or so because uh, <clears throat> fuel has changed. Hmm. But because of all that nonsense, engines don't coke up as much any longer. Uh, although this is a note to uh, uh, for you actually as you contemplate your LS swap into your GTO. <laughs> <laughs> You're a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> One of the big challenges with doing an LS swap is making sure you purchase a, if you're taking a, a takeout engine or a junkyard engine, get one that somebody routinely changed the oil on. Because if they did not do their 3,000-mile oil changes, those engines sludge up and, and accumulate filth and stuff. Mm. But uh, far less today than in the past. So does any of that answer the question? Boy, that I'll tell you what, whether it did or didn't, that's quite a bit of limited knowledge on your part. <laughs> I, I don't know. Nicely done. Nicely done. I would say yes, so, sir. So it's, it's that either, does answer the question. It's either that or it's when you take some interior cleaner and wipe the Coke stain off the front seat. <laughs> Bingo. Or you could ask Charlie Sheen about this process. <laughs> right. He has certainly been decoked. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, right. Oh, so, boy. But no, I think that, that hit all the points. That was a great answer. Well, good luck on um, deciphering any of that. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, I feel like I'm going to shortchange you on this one, then. You ready for this trivia question? Re- oh, let, let's have it. How many bluesmobiles were wrecked during the filming of the Blues Brothers movie and not the just general Chicago or state police cars actual right. bluesmobiles actual bluesmobiles um 74 Dodge Monaco sedans. Dodge Monaco yeah cop tires cop shocks cop mm. suspension 440 cubic inch plant all that good stuff all that good stuff well I think you may have mentioned this once before either on the show or otherwise um could have been otherwise could have been otherwise. Um, I wish I paid more attention when you talked to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish most people paid attention when they talked to me. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I understand why people don't pay attention when I talk, because if you heard that trivia question, <laughs> I, could, oh, I could hear mouse clicks and people tuning out halfway through that sucker. <laughs> oh, brother. The entire um, internet glazed over. 
How many Dodge Monaco Bluesmobiles were wrecked in the making of the Blues Brothers? Uh, well, let's let's look here. Well, it sure did. Ma- it made a couple of jumps. I'm sure every jump wrecked it. Um, of course, there's that scene at the end when it completely fell apart when they got out, when they got to um, the uh, tax assessor's office. Um, you know, interestingly, you don't hear a lot of backlash about how many Monaco's they wrecked in that film. You know, everybody's always up in arms about the, what, what was it, 256 Generalese right. know, Dodge Charger that got destroyed and, and yeah. all these other car films that wiped out a bunch <clears throat> of films. But the Bluesmobile is unrepresented in the uh, the uh, the angst about destroying those cars. And I think deep down, uh, people from the movie, they, they might think that, hey, it's kind of indestructible. So maybe it's like Christine and it's back out there again. Oh, it could be. Yeah, that's that's an interesting take on that. Um, all right. Uh, to, an- to answer the question, I'm going to say there were 11 Bluesmobiles destroyed in the making of Ooh. the Blues Brothers. 11. 11. Nice. We're taking this to 11. <clears throat> well, very nice. And I have no rhyme or reason as to, to, to be able to support that answer, but it's just the, the number that popped into my head. Well, 11 doesn't Maybe. rhyme with much, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a very reasonable answer, but it's my answer. Yeah, all right. Well, good for you. Thank you. Duly noted. Mm-hmm. So it has been... Um, summer of kevin here all all year long and you've been doing some really pretty neat events uh i mean you you did the street machine uh nationals right uh two of them and yeah two of them uh you went up in uh, what's it minnesota yeah st paul and then in DeCoin. And DeCoin. yeah yeah all right and you just got back recently from bonneville yeah well it, it has been pretty crazy and and i have to i have to thank my wife kelly uh, because she she recognized after you know many years of marriage that in the summertime you know we're always anticipating doing something fun and going somewhere and and doing stuff but there'd become this pattern where we'd either work all weekend or it's you know Saturday morning and it's like well what do you want to do I don't know what do you want to do <laughs> and and we're fortunate to have uh, you know some opportunities both in our industry and and because we also don't have kids so you know theoretically we could kind of you know within financial reason we could be doing right. basically anything you know but cool. uh uh we didn't because we didn't plan stuff out properly mm. so this year she said enough of all that and put things on the calendar and boy, did that calendar fill up. And when it's <laughs> on the calendar, you stick to it. So that's, I've been, you know, very thankful that she did that. And this has been, she calls it the summer of fun. It has really been, uh, you want to talk about something that's turned up to 11. It's been our travels, which is great. So yeah. since our last cast, um, yeah, I went to uh, Bonneville the week before that. I uh, was in Florida at the Kennedy Space Center. Right, man. Right, and checking all that out. So that, that's a whole nother story. But you asked about Bonneville. Yep. This year was, uh, I think, the 70th, 70th Speed Week uh, anniversary of the SCTA, uh, Southern California Timing Association. Of course, Bonneville, Utah is where they have the land speed racing. Right. Uh, except when I'm there. 
<laughs> All right, right. Yeah, the weather didn't quite cooperate with you uh, well, on yeah. that weekend. So the weather was perfect until the night before, and then it rained a half an inch. And I got there oh. on Friday, and I went with uh, our friend Grady Reeser. Grady uh, is not only a friend of ours, but he's a customer of ours. We, we've worked on a bunch of his cars before, and and he's a gearhead, and he's got a a thirty Model A that he just picked up recently, and a, he's mm. been to the Salt Flats a few times, and and really is thinking about building a car to go race. So he's trying to absorb as much as he can, and that's the way you do it. You go there and you hang out and talk to people, and right. And there's some strategies, you know, depending on what you want to do. It's like if you if you just want to go, you can go. If you just want to run, you can run. Or if you want to set a record. And be in the book. There's another mm. way to do that too. So, sure. uh, Grady's not quite uh, jonesing to have a record. He more wants a car and wants to run. Um, so he was going to head out there with his son again this year. And Kelly mm. noticed, oh look, a blank spot in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so I get an instant message from her on my computer at work that says, "You're going to Bonneville," and I went, "Yeah, right on." You know, because it's uh, <laughs> it's. It's a great experience. It's something I had never been to Speed Week. I've been to the Salt Flats before, um, but not not to the race. So huh. uh, I had the opportunity to go from a Friday to a Monday, uh, but the downside was because it had rained, the salt was wet, and the only uh-huh. way you can dry out the salt is by calling up Mother Nature and say, bring sunshine, because uh-huh. it just has to evaporate off. It's all you can right. do. Right. Nowhere for it to go, is there? Other no, than up. No, no. Yeah. And the the scale of this event, and, and there, there's a whole bunch of things that I had a hard time <clears throat> getting my mind around. And the first one is, and granted they weren't racing, but even when they are, the, the pace of the event is pretty slow. So there's a lot of waiting. And, mm. you know, again when the track conditions are not ideal or not safe, and that's the reason why they don't want to run, uh, you, you wake up in the morning and either wait for the email or wait for the announcement that says, Hey, we're going to race or Hey, we're not. And if you're not, well, you just pull up the lawn chairs and sit by the car under the canopy and, and wait, have a, have a cool car show. (laughs) Totally. And it it is awesome to go, you know, walk through the pits because it's open and you can talk to people and, uh, some, some racers took that opportunity to go through the car and, 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 you know, evaluate and fix stuff because, you know, if you have a land speed car, if you have a streamliner or something, it's not like you can go race it every weekend somewhere and practice. Right. So your, your only opportunity yeah. is there. So these, and, and sometimes there, there are people and teams who come together just for this, who don't really spend time together there are some that are together like every weekend up to this and then they get there and you know, they're waiting. So, Mm -hmm. um, I was, uh, lucky enough to bump into a bunch of people that I know. So, uh, George Poteet's team, he he had two cars there this year. Um, the, the blowfish built by rad rides by Troy, the, uh, 68 Barracuda that was there Mm. and, uh, got to see all those guys and talk with Troy and, some of the other friends on the team and then parked right next to it was his speed demon streamliner and uh, Steve Watt and and Kenny Duttweiler and Chris Rashke from ARP and all those guys. And if you saw a round table from PRI, it was those guys. Right. Um, So it was great to catch up with them. Uh, 
but we're all kind of waiting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so the yeah. funny thing is, we're it's the slowest paced thing <laughs> for the fastest speed on Earth. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's give and take, man, yin and yang. And that's that's it. Right. And and Grady and I and his son, Gabe, we all walked around and talked to a lot of people and learned a ton. And mm. and I think actually it was it was almost cooler that the racing wasn't happening and people weren't panicking, trying to get the car together and get it out on the track because they could take time to chat with you and show you stuff and, you know. Mm-hmm. introduce people and all that so it, it was a very social event um you know while we were there for those few days and then of course the day i the day after i left they gave the go-ahead to uh get the cars out on the track and and get them to run um but it was a limited track so normally it's a the big track's five miles this year they mm. made it four which meant shutdown came at like three and a half mm. so nobody really set any records right um, there was a fastest speed of the event uh, which was George Poteet again with the streamliner, sure. so that was cool. Um, but uh, uh, overall, you know, it's just uh, it's just kind of a build, a rebuilding year, I guess. You know, you just go yeah. and do your thing. Now, there's another event in October, um, so they can take what they learned here and and run then. But uh, it was oh, so that's cool. It's kind of mind bending. The other thing that's challenging about trying to cover Speed Week, the track's five miles long. So if you're yeah. trying to shoot video or photographs, you're either at the starting line or you're kind of halfway somewhere. You know, you, unless you have like some serious lenses, you're not going to be able to see the whole thing. Sure. Right? Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Right, because it's just so huge. Yeah. And then the, uh, the pits are seven miles long. Whoa. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's huge. So oh, my gosh. How many people are there? There's a lot, and I... I I'm sure they published a count somewhere, but I don't know how many people participated. But when you first uh, uh, pull in, so the, the saw flats are public lands, and mm-hmm. the, they're, they're open to the public, right? So sure. you can't stay there overnight, so everybody has to show up and do their thing and leave. You can leave your trailers and your uh-huh. tents and things set up, but they, right. everybody's got to clear out. But once you get there, um, the SCTA people have uh, a little stand set up, uh, where you can pay some money to the SCTA for the access. And what you're doing is basically contributing to the SALT fund, to the Save the SALT fund, right? which, which is cool, you know? Yeah. And then you drive, a, you know, a couple miles <clears throat> out into the, into the SALT, and that's where the check-in is and the tech station where people are inspecting cars and all that jazz. And then for another few miles after that is just rows and rows of, of racers and it's everything from you know 49 cc motorcycles up to uh you know 3500 horsepower streamliners and everything in between jeez yeah that's cool man man that i'd I'd like to see that someday yeah bonneville yeah it's all all day long it's totally worth it and and my plan hopefully if if everything works out is to go back next year and actually see a little more a little more action yeah yeah sure uh, but Grady's got some ideas for the car and, you know, so that, that's the other challenge is like, you can go have fun with basically anything as long as it passes tech for its class. Okay. Uh, so we could take your GTO out there and find a, you know, a stock V8 type class or whatever uh-huh. it's going to be. Make sure you got the safety gear and go run, right. you know, a hundred miles an hour and say you did it. Right. A lot of people do that. 
Um, The people that want to be in the record books, if all they really want to be is in the record books, uh, they scour the books and find low-hanging fruit records, Ah, right? Okay, I got you. So you might find out that a, I don't know, a, a... a motorcycle or a diesel powered something or a gasoline, you know, I don't have or the book in front of me. something, but, yeah. Right. Might have a, yeah. a fairly, you know, attainable speed record. And okay. that might be your way to get in the book. But I, uh, what I've learned is that there's an etiquette where some of those, you know, easier to obtain records are that way so that people can hit them. You know, I think it's okay. kind of frowned upon if there's this, you know, I use that 49cc motorcycle example. I mm. think that's up around 100 miles an hour for that bike. Holy cow. Um, but if you went out and put, you know, figured out a way to put five turbochargers on one legally and, <laughs> and run it on, you know, C16 or rocket <clears throat> fuel or something, and you ended up going 200 miles an hour in that class, well, you might not be looked at as such a hero because you, uh, you took the opportunity away for somebody else to go 103. Sure. And be I gotcha. in the book, you know? It, it, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. You want to have some sportsmanship about it and not right. just not just be, you know, some kind of douche to just wants to blow everything away. It's like, look what I did. Yeah, man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? So, and, and it's kind of a rite of passage. You know, if you get in the book... Mm-hmm. And if it's one of those kind of records, you're in the book for a while, you know, and, and somebody's mm-hmm. somebody's going to beat it. But that's cool. Right. You know, someone will go 104. And, right. and, you know, that's cool. And that's that's a sporting way to do it. And I get it. Yes. And, and, I, and I and I subscribe to that. I agree with that completely. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and so when you start to look at the, the grand scheme of things. It's one of the few places where you are truly racing the record book and racing yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not like a drag race where there's, you know, two of those 49 CC motorcycles racing against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody goes one at a time right. and then they see the time and the speed. So everybody is very, very positive towards each other, trying to help each other out. Uh, the, the free exchange of knowledge is just unbelievable. Uh, and really? so, so cool. Yeah. 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 And, and the SCTA organization has uh, a little bit of a reputation of being, you know, to say it politely, they're, they're definitely sticklers for their rules and their safety stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can be a little challenging because uh, it, it's subjective. So oh, there are those okay. who feel like your first time out, you're probably going to get run through the ringer on the, on the rule book and through, okay. through tech, which is only fair. You know, they want to make sure right. everything's safe. Sure. Um, but there are people that have been racing there for years, and they, they make them jump through all the hoops as well, you know. So hmm. it's, it's really uh, up to them. And I, I heard something about the 200-mile-an-hour the hat and the 200-mile-an-hour club. You know, if you, if you cross 200 miles an hour, you're supposed uh-huh. to give you this red hat, you know, and you're, you're in the club. Okay. Um, but that isn't necessarily always the case. You know, just because you went that speed doesn't automatically get you in the club. Oh, uh, they might say, well, you know, others of your your capacity are going, uh, you know, 250. So, uh, you know, unless you do that, then you'll be in the club kind of thing. Oh, I see. Uh, uh, kind of okay. adds to that mystique a little bit. Um, uh-huh. And and 
kind of fuels all that. So there, there's so many different aspects of that event. Um, there's, a, there's a whole nother side of it of people that just show up with cool cars that aren't competing. They just want to drive on the salt and, and be there and bring their wow. hot rod there, you know, to make that connection that, that you know, yeah. they, they, they circled back to, you know, uh, as a, a Bert Monroe, the, the famous pilot of the world's fastest Indian motorcycle, said, you know, this is hallowed ground here. So yeah, man. people want to come to that. And, yeah. boy, they, these guys bring some cool cars out. Uh, all kinds that. of steel 32 Fords and, you know, fenders mm. and no fenders and 40s and 50s cars. And it's kind of a badge of honor to go r- drive it out there and get the whole thing all covered in the salt and yeah. you know, get your pictures. What a cool picture that's got to be. I mean, hanging in your den or on your desk or something like that. It your is. Your car right in the, on the salt with the mountains in the background covered yeah. in salt. Oh, that'd be got to be great. It is. And it's a big mess. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that, yeah. But it, uh, it is super cool, you know. And, and you can't take a bad picture out there. Um, so right. that, that picture is a little easier to get than you might think. If you get out there, you can get it. Um, the, the race course is, you know, I guess if I, if I fully understand the layout of the direction of the track, it's, it's kind of on the south end of, of where the racing area is. And to the north is that famous mountain range and between the track and the range i don't even know how many miles it is but it's many miles it looks like you can reach out and touch those mountains but it's Mm -hmm. it's a long way out there so you're there's no roads i mean you're free to drive wherever you want you know except on the racetrack so you can just cruise out towards the mountain and jump out and get your picture you know so that's neat well, speaking of that, I mean, you were able to, I mean, Bonneville is kind of a, 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 a bit of a family legacy for you. Your father was out at, at Bonneville and yeah. took a picture in front of these, some mountains, and you were able to duplicate that picture standing in front of those same mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. And, and yeah. if I can put all this together right, doing some archaeology, uh, you know, anthropology on this photograph... He, he died six years ago, but when he did, we were going through all these photographs to put up these poster boards, you know, of, sure. of life pictures and stuff. And mm. I came across these pictures of him at Bonneville. And looking at the shirt that he's wearing, it's a shirt from a leisure suit, for crying out loud. And he's not wearing the leisure suit pants. It's just, you know, right. whatever he had, because he, he didn't care, you know. Uh, and, and a giveaway is his watch. He's got this blue-faced watch. And the watch uh-huh. was given to him when he uh, obtained the rank of, I believe, sergeant uh, as okay. a police officer. It was either sergeant or lieutenant. But it was in 1978. I have the watch, and it's carved in the back. I should go look at it right now, but I, it's in the other room. Right. Um, but I recognize the watch, so I think, okay, well, that, that puts it at you know, 78, 79 at least. Uh-huh. And uh, we did a family vacation to California in about 81. And um, it all started to come back to me that we stopped there. He wanted to ah. see he wanted to see the salt. So uh, I was there at the same time. But we didn't get like a big family picture. Right. We got a couple of snapshots and one of them was that picture. So, you know, a few years ago when I found that, I thought, wow, if I ever get out there, I'm going to give this a try. Yeah. And, and when I did, um, luckily our friend Grady is also a photographer and he was perfectly willing to help recreate this shot. 
Sure. And we we didn't have some of the details. We we didn't have the same lens, and it was a different time of day, so the the light hits us from opposite angles. Um, but you're right. We we found that exact same mountain range. Yeah. And stood pretty close to the same spot based on uh-huh. matching the camera lenses. Sure. Uh, but the other weird thing is that I think my dad and I are about a year apart in age. Is that right? In that picture, yeah. I think oh my he was gosh. Forty six, and I'm forty seven. So right. it was it was kind of neat, you know. To that is neat. That right on. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty wild. So um, that that is that same trip um, that uh, uh, when we went to California, and I had we talked about this before, but that trip to Universal Studios and and. You know, my dad talks about knowing John Landis from shooting the Blues Brothers. <laughs> right. You know, that picture was probably taken a week after that. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. I'll be darned. I think on our I'll way home. Yeah. yeah, that was a great story about your dad and, and uh, John Landis. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. So, you know, which kind of brings us to uh, another recent event is our drive-in cruise, which you right. got the chance to come to this I year. Finally, finally got made it out to that drive-in cruise. And... I'll tell you, it was worth the wait. It was. Uh, Did it live it up to the hype? Event. Uh, uh, oh, the the hype, the hype pales in comparison to the actual event. I mean, it, it was just, it was great. It was terrific. I, I I'm so glad I was able to make it. Uh, you know, our, our buddy Paul got to come out too, and and uh, we got to mess around on his, his uh, Buick again a little bit, and uh, unfortunately, weren't able to drive it to the to the cruise or have it there which is a bummer, but, um, but, but he got to be there and I got to be there and we got to hang out and, and do stuff. And I'll tell you what, there are some people with some really cool cars that come out to that drive-in cruise, man. I'll tell you one thing that, uh, that really stuck out was, um, I think his, what's his name? Don that had that, uh, he made that, uh, Hearst old Vista Cruiser wagon. Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh. That thing looked like it was factory correct. It was it, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's neat. It's a '69, and it's uh, yeah. of course the white and gold, and and mm-hmm. uh, a Hearst wagon, and the the wings on the roof and the back and everything. I mean, he he hit all the points on that one. He um, really did. That's cool. He he's been to some of our local car shows uh, in the past. I met him a few years ago. Great guy. Well, I also think it's cool that, you know, not only were you able to experience the drive-in, uh, you know, for the first time, but you also got to meet and chat with one of our longtime V8 Radio listeners, our buddy Mo Zerlini. I sure did, and he was there in force with uh, his beautiful 70 uh, GTO, and we got to have a few words with him, and he's, uh, he's quite an interesting guy. He is. Let's hear, uh, hear what he has to say. All right, let's roll it. Okay, everyone, this is Mike Clark from V8 Radio, and I am here on location at the V8 TV drive-in cruise at the Skyview Drive-In. And I'm in front of a very beautiful 1970 GTO. And, sir, tell us all about the car. First, tell us what your name is. My name is Mo Zerlini. Tell us about the car. Well, the car is a 1970 Pontiac GTO. It has a 400 engine, and just in the last uh, six months, we re- had the V8 rest of the shop remove the turbo hydromatic transmission and install the TKO five-speed. Really? So, yes, sir. It's uh, way more better. Way more <laughs> way better. Way more better. More gears, way more better. 
A lot more fun. Is it? It is a, a whole lot of fun. I, I would imagine uh, having that overdrive gear is really great on the RPMs and it really is. helps the open road cruising. It is. And, it's uh, uh, around around 70. You're just barely uh, 1900. So maybe just a little. Maybe a scotch over, but that's about all. Fantastic. 55. You're doing about 14 and a half, something like that. So it's it it's and it's got plenty of power. In in fifth sure. gear. If you want to go that and you can lug it down and hit it and it just gone. So That's it, awesome. Yep. So this, uh, from what I understand, this car has quite a bit of factory options on it. Yes, it does. It uh, it's factory air, uh, cruise control. It has tilt steering wheel, uh, rear window defogger, which uh, is all factory. That's you know, crazy. Factory air, so. Uh, we had to take the the torpedo compressor off mm -hmm. because uh, when it had it down at uh, at the direct at the VH shop uh, right after we bought this thing, we re had them remove all the belts set up and everything on this and put the new serpentine drive, the whole works on it, and that meant that we had to change the compressor and put a a Sudan on it, which is just a little smaller, but it well does the job. Sure, I understand those are pretty and efficient compressors. They, they do a really they're good very job. They're good, very good. Yeah, a little bit of less drag on the on the drive line. It is, and with that serpentine belt, you got a steady pull on it. You got right. steady. There's no slipping through the pulleys, no nothing. It's got a steady pull all the way through it. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's. It's a great car. It handles and drives, and I mean, it, it rides like my wife and I were discussing in, on the way over, and she said, this, I think this thing rides better than some new cars. So. Well, it certainly has as many options as a, as a new car would, with, yeah, you know, with the rear frog and, and, the, and, and the tilt wheel and the cruise control. Yeah, cruise that's, control is, that's is a, really nice. <laughs> oh, well, I, I have a 67 GTO, and I would love to have cruise control yeah. on it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a beautiful shade of gold. What uh, what's the paint coat on this? Sierra gold. Sierra gold. Yeah. Very nice. Baja gold. I'm sorry. That's okay. Baja. Baja gold is even better. My secretary corrected me. <laughs> <laughs> Behind every great man is an even greater woman. Or a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> secretary. Very but nice. But it's yeah, it's a very. We're really proud of it. Uh, to say we when we got married, when I came back from the service. And I got out of the service in 1969 after my tour in Vietnam. We bought a 1970 GTO. When we got married, we had a silver 1970 GTO. Well, November 20th of this year, that would be 49 years ago. Uh -huh. So we thought it was about time to get, we wanted to get another car. And we said, let's get another 70 GTO. So. About five years ago, after looking for a long time, we finally found this one down in Morton, Tennessee. And Fantastic. Yeah. Well, so, it's always, I, I, I always love to talk to other veterans. I'm a veteran. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I was in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a GTO when I was in the service as well. Uh, so our, our, our stories tend to yes. parallel each other. And yes, it, they and do. It, it, it's, it's great to hear. Yep. So, uh, well, Mo, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, I Mike. really appreciate, appreciate the time. Appreciate talking to you. And uh, enjoy the driving. Oh, yeah. We always do. Right on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. 
That is fantastic, man. I did not know that him and his lovely wife, Karen, who <laughs> he referred to as his secretary, his I guess. secretary. <laughs> uh, I didn't know they had a GTO back in 1970. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's really cool. That That is really cool. Um, and his story actually echoes another veteran that I knew way when I was still in the service. Uh, uh, he was another Vietnam vet, and he had a 68 uh, GTO four-speed car. And he was wounded, and he got out. He had a, his arm caught some shrapnel, and because it was a four-speed car, he rode the gears, and it actually helped him rehabilitate his arm. Oh, wow. From driving across country, rowing the gears. Yeah, it was a great story. Physical therapy yeah, by shifting gears. Yeah, how about it? It's, it should be for everyone. Um, but yeah, but Mo, he's, he's quite a character. He's a funny guy. I really like him. And uh, when, you know... We said in the past that uh, I could drive his car. When I met up with him, the first thing out of my mouth was, where are those keys, Mo? And he says, uh, well, I, I told you you could drive it, but I never said what day. So, uh, <laughs> yep, that's so Mo. It's kind of the thing where I'd rather owe it to you than cheat you out of it, I think. <laughs> right, right, right. That's great. Well, we had mentioned him before on this uh, on this show. It's good to hear that uh, you got a chance to, to meet him and connect that little circle. So, you know, I yeah. guess that's, you know, another cool part of the drive-in is, uh, you know, getting to meet other people that listen to this stuff and, and kind of all like what we do. So that's cool. Amen. Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys made it down because uh, for me, the drive-in cruise, this was our fifth year of doing it. And, um, you know, we're pretty close to it because we, we host the event, so it's hard right. to get a handle on, you know, how it went, you know, really. <laughs> uh, but we always get good feedback, thank God. You know, people always seem to have a good time there, and uh, uh-huh. uh, it's a multi-faceted event. Again, it's the car show until the sun goes down, and then the movie, right. and this year we show the Blues Brothers. And uh, uh, so, so it's like several waves of entertainment. You hang out with the <clears> car show. Oh, yeah. Talk to people, check stuff out, and then then everybody just hangs out and watches the film when it gets dark. And mm-hmm. It was cool. It was a good time this year. It's a unique event. It really is. I, I don't know of another one in in the area that hosts anything like that. I know, like, um, there's been many times on Power Tour where they'll stop at a drive-in, mm-hmm. but I don't think they show a movie. Maybe they have a couple. Mm. Um but yeah, but I mean, it's, pro- it's probably just whatever movie is playing, and I mean, it's not necessarily a car-oriented movie like like Cannibal Run or Smoking the Bandit or or, or the Blues Brothers or or what what have you. Sure, so it's just whatever's out. Especially not one that the people can vote for. Exactly, because you know? we totally. always throw that out there in advance, <clears throat> and uh, so it, it, it was a lot of fun. And I apologize to uh, anybody that was around Paul and I during the film because we basically. <laughs> recited the whole movie <laughs> every every line of dialogue absolutely <laughs> that's terrific yeah, we saw it once before you know mm-hmm. yeah many many years ago it just it just came back to you that's yeah, all yeah yeah it did well it's a, it's a great film and and um it never fails though to be able to you know meet new people at that event and um you know see cool cars and, and help people out sometimes you know with their cars and we just mailed out a couple of T-shirts, as a matter of fact, to a guy who uh, his car broke uh, some rocker arms on the way to the event. Oh, no. And he couldn't make it. So he sent us a message. He's like, oh, guys, you know, I, I really wish I could have been there, but my car broke some, you know, my car broke down. And we're like, yeah, you know, no problem. And he actually sent us pictures of his tickets. He's like, no, here, look, I'm, I'm not no. kidding. <laughs> I was like, wow, bummer. So uh, uh, we mailed him out some shirts at least. So, you know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
it, yeah. it's it's a fun thing. Very nice people come to that one, and rarely, <clears throat> rarely ever do we have a problem. We did have a couple problems this year. The biggest one being the radio station that broadcasts <laughs> the audio for the movie is supposed to be yep. a particular channel, and when everybody tuned right. in, it was a religious station that was overpowering mm-hmm. <laughs> the drive-in signal. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit of a hiccup. So but, uh, we, we, we had to do a last-minute frequency change on the transmitter, um, but that was really no big deal. So, Yeah, but you were able to do it, and people tuned in, and they, they were able to get their audio, so it worked. Yeah, yeah. And we had uh, a real similar size audience uh, that we did last year, um, but they were um, positioned a little bit differently in the drive-in, so we actually didn't run the second screen. We only mm-hmm. ran the, the main screen. Last year, we had two screens running, uh, but uh, one of the, the officials of the drive-in pointed out that we had um, a fewer number of tall vehicles so mm. what they were doing last year is anybody with a pickup truck or a van or something, they would immediately steer them over to the second screen so that they weren't blocking the view. We're blocking. Oh, I see. Uh, and this year we didn't have so many of them, so <clears throat> the second screen area didn't get quite as populated. But that second screen concept, and, and this will be the first public release of our, our latest concept, an exclusive, Uh-oh. folks. Oh, you heard uh, it here first. That's right. What we're thinking about doing is every year, like we mentioned, we put out a... Um, a poll online for people to vote for what kind of film they want. And our films we've been showing have been largely kind of classic car films. So like you said, Cannonball, Smoking the Bandit, Bullet, mm. Graffiti. Graffiti. Yeah, and, uh, Blues, and Brothers. Blues Brothers yeah. this time. And, and we always get people who say, hey, man, how come you're playing all these old movies? What's all these old movies? And it depends on your age, you know, if they're old or not. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're old at all. No, but, you know, the, the Blues Brothers came out in 1980, for crying out loud. Good and, heavens. You know, we have a lot of, like your daughter, who's 16 and was born right. after, she was born in what, 03? She was uh, born in 04, actually. She's 15. All right. So born in yeah. 04, yeah. So yeah. 1980 is an old film. Yeah, it is pretty old. And, and what we're trying it's, to do—it's like—it's like on the waterfront for us is an old film, but for for my mom, no, it's not old at all. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And we're always trying to engage, you know, the next generation. So, um, but the flip side is, if we were to play like the latest sequel of of you know one of the Fast and Furious films that that your daughter might be into, uh, the rest of the crowd, you know, that are used to the older stuff, they're not going to show up. You know, right. like what's this? So it dawned on us that we have two screens. Ah. Ah. So ah. what we're going to do next year is um, on screen A, we will show one film, and we will show something from a different era on screen B. And we might expand our footprint to welcome a whole new crowd that uh, hmm. doesn't really know or care about something like Cannonball Run. Uh, uh-huh. But maybe they're into uh, cars, or right. you know, the Legend of Ricky Bobby, or or, <laughs> uh, or one of the Furious films, and you don't have to watch it because you could see the other screen. That's by God, man, you're a thinker. Yeah, it only Nicely took done. five years for the obvious to hit me in the head. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, it hit you, so that's good, and you, and you're doing something about it. So. That's a great. That's a great idea. They show two, maybe two different genres of, of car film mm-hmm. to uh, appease uh, 
the uh, the boy racer in all of us. Right. Yeah. Right. On. <laughs> well put. Thank you. And the other thing uh, that we always hear about is the timing of this. And and right now it's the third Thursday in August, right? Is when we uh, host this. And it seems mm-hmm. like we've we've moved the date around a little bit to accommodate other things. But this year in particular, it seemed like there was a lot of people who couldn't come because their kids were starting school like that day or the day after. Right. And they didn't want to be out. So um, there's a whole thing about why don't we have this on the weekend. And uh, the owner of the drive-in had told us initially that hey, you can't do it on the, on the weekend because that's when we have to show the, the real films. Right. And what I've learned is that I don't think he thought we were going to bring in person one. So he's like, yeah, I'm not going to wipe out my revenue from a Saturday night just for your stupid thing. So (laughs) we've we've proven that we have a draw, you know, and there's a lot of people who say if it was a a Saturday night that we could probably, I don't want to necessarily say double, but we could probably have quite a bit more in attendance. Uh, I would I would agree with that. I mean, the weekend is always a lot easier for most people. So, yeah, I mean, so you th- could probably I'd... get a bigger draw from further out on, if it was on a Saturday. Right, yeah, true. I didn't even yeah. think about the yeah. the range. Um, yeah. So what we're going to try and do next year is do both. We're going to try and make it a little bit earlier so that it's not necessarily the weekend of start, starting school. Um, okay. But I think we might be able to pull off a Saturday if we can negotiate properly with the drive-in owner. Because um, his model is different from ours. We, we, we basically want to cover our costs, which are renting the theater and then mm-hmm. doing, the, doing the work. So we charge 15 bucks for carload of people. Mm-hmm. We want to make this, you know, this, this isn't supposed to be an expensive thing. It's not like you're seeing a Formula right. One race or something or uh-huh. coming home with autographs. Uh, and we're trying to keep it, you know, family friendly to as many as possible. The drive-in normally though, they charge, uh, I don't know, 11 or 12 bucks a person. Mm. So he does pretty well, um, with the multiple people in the car on a weekend. So he's right. like, you know, if you're going to rent this place on a weekend, we're mm. going to have to charge you a lot more Yeah. to offset. Well, that. I mean, from a revenue standpoint, it makes sense. So, well, I'm, tr- I'm doing everything I can to keep it. Yeah. Keep per, it affordable, sure. Yeah, per car load, you know, and, yeah. and if it's, I think, we think we can probably pull it off at 15 bucks, especially if we do the second screen and there is some response, mm-hmm. you know, and then we'll just, it'll be a nice, uh, just a nice thing, you know, that's how yeah. it ends up being. Right on. Yeah, if you can pack the place, I'm sure it'll be more than fine from uh, from a, 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 an admission standpoint. Yes. And, and this year... Uh, I'll admit we did, I did probably minimal promotion uh, uh, compared to the past other four years, uh, partially because I was, you know, everywhere summer this Kevin. summer, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> doing all kinds of other stuff. But, you know, the word is out there and, and we have a lot of repeats that come and, and the crowd was, uh-huh. was still there. So yeah, yeah. I think if we, you know, ramp up those promotional efforts a little bit we had some great sponsors again this year and some new ones that were added uh, the whole list is on our driveandcruise.com website mm-hmm. but uh i think we can enlist them to help spread the word as well and cool you know, yeah just kind of kind of get it out there so heck yeah man that'll work yeah yeah lots and lots uh going on when uh the good thing is that unfortunately, one guy broke the the rocker arm. Was trying to get in. Another guy fried a battery and and 
A couple oh guys were waiting in the parking lot trying to get in from outside. They overheated kind of thing. Overheated, right. And, and our, our team uh, had jump boxes and stuff, and they immediately dispatched yeah. out to, you know, to help people. And Well, you even had an ambulance on hand in case anybody you know, themselves <laughs> overheated. Yeah, you had right. a nice vintage ambulance slash hearse in case somebody really went over the deep end. You were all covered. Well, we were hoping the hearse didn't go over the deep end because uh, right. that was kind of its maiden voyage uh, for yeah. that, that 39 LaSalle that we've been working on. Uh-huh. And it's a it's a half an hour drive, you know, from sure. our shop to the, the drive-in. But it, Trevor said he had that thing up at 65, 70 miles an hour. Well, it's got to it's got to get to the place, man. It needs to go fast. <laughs> yeah. That was a little <laughs> that's, scary. That's what it's designed to do, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, and it seems like you know everything in our world comes in waves. So that's a municipal type vehicle. And then mm-hmm. last week, a uh, a 1948 Ford Georgia State Patrol car showed up at the shop. My goodness. Yeah. So now it's <laughs> that's a, awesome. A bunch of municipal cars are showing up, and that one is kind of interesting because it. It was in the collection of the guy that owned and started the Chick-fil-A restaurant chain. Is that right? Yeah. I'll be darned. Uh, and in fact, if you go online and, and look him up, I think his last name was Christy. Um, there, there's a few uh, photographic scenes and tours of his collection. He passed away a few years ago, but he had over 200 cars. And you can see that 48 hmm. in, the, in the building. So it's been authenticated. Nice. And the current owner um, actually is a local guy who owns a Chick-fil-A restaurant and bought it from him. And he bought a couple of cars from him and uh, needs some help with them. So uh, the 48 Ford has come to our shop for some, I don't know, we'll see what he wants to do. It, uh, all the rubber's off the tires and, and it needs some brake work and suspension work okay. at the very minimum, but we'll see if he wants to do anything else with it. But uh-huh. uh, that's kind of so neat. It just needs a little bit to make it roadworthy and, yeah. and safe, right? Yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you kind of the, the big cool. once over the only thing you're missing now is to have a real bluesmobile show up there for for some work how great would that be yeah that'd be pretty cool <laughs> yeah it would be pretty cool um although right now you know on, on the way to the the actually the morning of the drive-in event it's been tradition where i have driven our 62 galaxy to the shop and then we uh, load it yeah. up with stuff and take it to the drive-in that night. And uh, I broke it. Kelly and I broke it on the way in. <laughs> mm. Gosh darn it. Yep. Dad, yep. it old cars. Well, Ugh. and it's a little bit of a mystery. The, the overdrive kind of went away. So as I uh, mm. you know, driving along, Kelly thought it was on fire, which it's a good thing it wasn't. Oh she saw smoke yeah. come up from under the dash. So we immediately pull over on this highway road, jump out, grab the fire extinguisher, and crawling all over it. But I couldn't uh-huh. smell it. I couldn't, I couldn't really tell. Um, so, okay, let's drive away. And as we're driving away, it's falling in and out of overdrive. And mm. when it goes in overdrive, it's slipping. So it's like, oh, boy. ah, man. Man. So the Galaxy did not make the show <sighs> this year. Uh, but it, it falls into that, that philosophy that we have. It's not if it breaks, it's when it breaks, you know. It's just, it's going to happen. And... You know, the, what we're, we're trying to to work with our customers at the shop more and more mm. of having a mindset that, um, you know, preparing them for that. Even if they do a full restoration on a car, it's still going to break, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, people, I, I think they need to realize 
yeah, you, you went from the ground up on this thing. It's still something that's man-made. It's still subject to breakdowns, either just from too much use, uh, a part wearing out, or, you know, an even rarer thing is the part that was one of the parts that were put in may have been faulty from the beginning, and it was just hanging on, and, and it breaks down later. So it's Sometimes just... it's not, that's not that rare either. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but I think the important part is, I mean, you go buy a brand new Cadillac, they've got a service department right there for a reason, you know. Exactly. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh-huh. But I also fully understand and respect where it's like, hey, I just I just brought this car here to get fixed, and then I took it home, and it's not fixed anymore. And, uh-huh. and that so that becomes, you know, a stressful situation for everybody. Sure. So what we're telling people today is, hey, when it breaks, what matters is that we're here for you. Yeah. We're all on the same team. We're not happy it broke either. Right. You know. It, it, it's your job to make sure it's not broken when it leaves and stays fixed. Right. So, and, and you do everything in your power to make sure that that happens. And, you know, there will be a time when that doesn't happen. And yeah. it's just, that's the nature of the beast. And got, you have to accept it. Got a car right now that uh, came to us for some work. It went home. Something unrelated to what we did broke. Mm. But the customer, mm. all they're looking at is that, well, it just left your shop. It should be good to go. And in our case, you know, so we had two choices. You know, you can be standoffish and say, well, I had nothing to do with that other thing, so it's not my problem, which right. we, don't, we don't do. Right. Uh, or the other side is there's a lot of systems on this car, and, you know, what you asked us to work on is fixed. Uh, but let's see if we can figure out what's going on with the rest of it, and we'll help you out, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And And – that's that's a common thing, and and I had to remind myself of that as the galaxy was coasting down the. S- <laughs> <laughs> when it breaks, <laughs> it's what you do afterwards that matters. You know? You're right. <laughs> or and, and that's not it's not to say that something that comes out is going to break all the time. Um, You know, I'm sure nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, everything's going to be fine. But there is that small percentage when it won't be fine. Right. And then you you just stand up with what you did and and you take care of it. Or if it's something, like you said, unrelated, you still look into it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have have very talented people on staff that can, you know, fix just about everything. Uh, It's just a matter of putting them on that task, you know. And, And sometimes these can be... They can be big tasks. They can take a lot of time, and that, that's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but, you know, that's the reality. We recently worked on a, a, a car for a guy who had taken it to, I think, four other shops. Oof. And had problems. Um, they did some work, and it wasn't to his liking, and they didn't have the same attitude. They were like, you know we're done with this car, just get it out of here kind of thing. Oh, geez. Uh, because nobody wants to, as a business owner, you don't want to absorb extra time fixing stuff because you're not getting right. paid for it, but you're putting the time right. in. If mm-hmm. if it's something you did or, you know, the sticky part is if it's a part that fails, like you were saying, a brand new part, who pays for that? You know, sometimes the, the warranty is here, we'll give you another one, but what if it took six hours to put it in? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, that's uh, just something you got to eat. That's that stinks. It does stink. Um, yeah. But the 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 hope is that if you do put the time and remedy that, that you built the trust with the customer, and and you'll get more business down the line to help amortize that little loss 
you know, mm-hmm. and it'll all work out in the end. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this individual, not only did he go to four different shops, but the, the last one did a uh, disc brake conversion and didn't do it right. Oh, boy. Yeah. And we found stuff kind of all over the car that needed help. Um, and when he brought it to us, he brought it to us for problem A, and all of a sudden we find... and, and, and um, I, B, C, D, and E. Well, <laughs> and not only that, <clears throat> I understand the customer standpoint because he's like, he's done with with getting, you know, I don't want to say getting taken, but but feeling like he's been taken advantage of because all these people promised him something and it, it just cost more and more and it wasn't fixed. Yeah. And so when we initially talked, he's like, okay, well, I want these three things done. What do you think it's going to cost? So we looked up the parts. We estimated the time, talked to technicians. We said, okay, we think it's going to be in this range. And, and here you go. He's like, okay, well, if you can keep it under this amount, you know, we're on. Well, that's when the car comes in and we find other stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we end up presenting it and he's like, hey, wait a minute. You know, you said it was mm-hmm. going to be this. And, and that that's the sticky part, because until until you completely disassemble a car, you don't yeah. know the last person know. that wired it or did whatever. And and sometimes you've got to do those three or four things to find the next one that's not right. Mm-hmm. But uh, luckily for this gentleman, uh we were able to take care of those items for him. Uh, he called, brought the car back to fix additional unrelated stuff, came back again to fix additional unrelated stuff. So he was very happy with the work, wrote us a nice review. And, good. And, and that's good. Yeah, right. Th- those are the good ones. But Yeah. And the, but the, even the last time, we said, okay, when this breaks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, it's, it's good when you have a customer that understands what it is you're dealing with and that you are dealing with an older car and you are dealing with older systems that may, may, maybe they were touched by somebody else. Maybe they weren't, maybe they're on the, on the ragged edge of, of breakdown and they don't know it and you don't know it. Correct. Yeah. Until, until you get into it and they realize, Ooh, well, he, he, he found all this and now I, I have the option of what I want to do about it. Whether right. I, I don't want to fix it now, I will fix it later and the fact that you just didn't go into it, it's like, oh, we're going to fix all this stuff. And, oh, you owe me $8,000, and we fixed all this stuff that was wrong. And, well, it sure needed it. And and it, having the communication between yourself and the customer and having everybody on the same page is, I think, what really helps people build trust, helps you build trust with, mm-hmm. with your customer. Yeah, and, and we definitely try, you know. And, and the worst one is when – again recently we had a guy bring us a car and he said check these things over and and we did and he said you know is it good to go and we said sure everything we checked is fine he took it home and it quit on him and Ugh. and you know that that's when our blood pressure goes up you know the hair stands on the back of your neck yeah. you know and the first thing we always do is it, it, you know when that happens yeah. uh to, to call us right away to make sure that you're uh-huh. safe you know we can maybe arrange for a transport or a pickup or mm-hmm. something um but in this particular case, it turned out to be nothing that we even got close to. Mm. Uh, there was some fuel pump wiring that was way under par uh, in the back of the car. And it starts to become a situation where you say, you know, you brought this in for situation X, and, and now it's on uh, situation Z uh, that was not on anybody's radar screen. So that was just an unfortunate byproduct of of situation Z occurring, you know, we had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with it. You had nothing to do with it. But again, if we can help 
and the trust it's a great word because it's sometimes they trust us but then it's hard to trust the car you know, right. if, they, if they don't know the car that well, and all of a sudden it did this kind of stuff to them. So how do you gain the trust in the car? Well, really, you got to spend a bunch of time going through the car to learn about it. Nobody just right. wants to pay somebody to, to learn about their car. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> do me a favor and crawl under the dash and examine every single wire connection uh-huh. and every single fi- you know fluid uh-huh. coupling and everything so right. that I know I can drive. And even then, nobody's got a crystal ball. So Right. Right. I mean, you just you posted a, a picture recently of a um, a hood with um, <laughs> with a, a bit of an bit of a filler problem. Oh yeah. With it. Oh that, no, there, uh, didn't have any filler problem. It was there was filler on that. It no was problem. plenty of filler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So that particular case, it's a it's a nice car. We've done a lot of work on it in the past. Um, mm-hmm. Customer lives a couple of states away, and he noticed that. Uh, the hood started to crack on the on the peak to 69 uh-huh. Chevelle. And we didn't paint the car. We did mechanical work on it. We knew that that crack was there in the past uh, when it first came in. But now it's it had grown. And he said, uh-huh. uh, you know, can you guys do something with this? So our, our painter, Jeff, looked at the crack and he grabs a little screwdriver out of his pocket and flicks up into the crack and, and unearths what has to be at least three-eighths of an inch thick of body filler. Good on the gravy. Hood. Yeah, that is crazy, I, and I yeah something I we were trying to figure out what what happened. You know, did they drop a bowling ball in the hood and then just you know, <laughs> trowel over it? You know, is that what they Maybe. did? So in that case, we're not even going to fix it. We're just getting another hood, right? Uh, yeah, what's the point? Yeah, yeah no, uh, that cost you three times as much to fix it than just to replace that stinking hood. Well, totally, and and yeah. you, you know who knows? It, it would be kind of interesting to carve all that off and see. You know, it would be. but I, you know, the funny thing is I honestly think there's body filler on the bottom of the hood too. I have what? to go back and look because when you open it up, you would think if it had that much filler, the bottom side would show. You'd see a cave in or something. something yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, it looks pretty nice. So somebody spent a lot of time sculpting a 69 Chevelle hood out of complete that plastic. Would be, that would be a neat after school project just to strip that down to bare metal and see what it really looks like. Well, Just you know, now the, you're on see the before something. and after. Yeah, that's a great idea. And there's a, there's a tech school that, that we deal with locally that uh-huh. uh, is always looking for, you know, we, we get them. Sometimes customers, we pull engines out and they don't want the engine back. It might be broken or something. And mm-hmm. We'll give it to those guys. Maybe we give them that hood. Let them go to town on it. Yeah. <laughs> and send us some <laughs> pictures of what, what's going on underneath that. Might be oh, I would love to see that. Absolutely. Oh, I, I hope you do that. I really want to know. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark that down. All right, we got a good idea out of this show even. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a banner day for V8 Radio. Yeah, right now. <laughs> Man. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> well, Very nice. Yeah, and time is flying, at least it is for me. I don't know if the agony of the listener. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I think it's time to uh, to pony up and see if uh, if the trivia question, if my Coke story was even close. All right. Okay. Well, I I asked you, um, why why did engines back in the day have to be decoked, and you know what was it, and what was the process, and yada yada yada. And you mentioned you you were talking about um, 
combustion byproducts, collecting on valves and combustion chambers and soot and oil and coke and things like that. And and in the uh, extreme case, you would have to tear the engine down and, and clean everything, get, get all that soot and buildup off because the valves would stop uh, sealing properly and the car would run miserably and all that good stuff. And uh, you said... In today's engines, because of lubrication advancements and, and uh, a lot of emission controls and computer controls and fuel injection, that it's not that big of an, uh, an ordeal these days. And by God, Kevin, you are right on every point. Every point. Wow, thank God. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that does come up is uh, direct injected engines tend to start getting some of this buildup on valves because in... Traditional fuel injection and carbureted engines, the gasoline acts as a good solvent and cleans those valves up quite a bit. But direct injected engines, you know, the gasoline is directed directly into the combustion chamber, but you still have that combustion byproduct from EGR and, and PCV um, get, flowing over that intake, and it does collect. And mm -hmm. over time, if you don't use good gasoline or good uh, um, fuel additives and oil additives or good oil it, you will get that build up on the valves and it will have to get cleaned off but but that that doesn't happen that often and uh yeah but so yeah good job well done sir well done hey, right on I, I was uh i was waiting for you to say like a one word answer that i completely missed like <laughs> nope you know, it's water or something which is actually what i used to clean this stuff is actually run water through them mm -hmm. uh and then I would have been just like a politician that talked for 20 minutes and said nothing. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, good. No, didn't, good job, didn't, man. Didn't have that problem. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, on the flip side, the question to you was how many bluesmobiles were wrecked in the filming of the movie The Blues Brothers? Yeah. And your answer was 11, mm -hmm. which... Uh, was pretty insightful because he talked about, you know, they jumped some and they wrecked some and the one blows mm -hmm. apart at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, the actual answer is 13. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, so close. <laughs> Real close. Yeah. Oh, gosh darn it. I don't feel bad about being being wrong. No, in the spirit <laughs> of the, uh, the answer, you were right there. So that's good. Yeah. Oh, um, man. The one at the end uh, that, that self-grenades, of course, was... A prop, you know, they, they yeah. cut the whole thing apart and put like sure. some release charges in it to get it to, you know, self-destruct and everything else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they had some that flew, they had some that went fast, they had some that uh, were designed to spin around and, and mm -hmm. all that. One thing I think is fun, uh, there's a, a scene where the, the Bluesmobile is driving under the L tracks in Chicago and they show the speedometer and it's doing 118 miles an hour. And right. that was actually shot real speed. They didn't speed that up. Oh, boy. And uh, the director, Landis, said, uh, you know, they shot that early, early on a Sunday morning, and there was nobody out. And he said, this looks fake. You know, we need to make this real looking. Mm -hmm. So they inserted people on the sidewalk that are walking by. Oh, really? At actual speed as well to provide Oof. contrast. So you could get some context to see that the thing is actually going that fast. So another more silly trivia there so <laughs> right on but uh anyway still got the movie on the brain obviously from the driving but yeah right well right on man well this was uh this was fun as always yes sir and uh uh we do have a little distribution update too now this uh podcast yeah. is carried on the iheart radio app which is kind of cool yeah um, i just uh, i downloaded that and i found us on there and uh it's pretty cool Awesome. Yeah, the iHeart, um, they claim to be, the, I guess, the biggest 
uh, distributor of podcasts now. So, wow. uh, yeah, right. And then the, our friends at Apple iTunes that we always try to, you know, beat people up on, apparently they've changed some of their, um, their categories. Well, their categories and, and, and you used to be able to click a category and see what the rankings were. And we were, right. you know, we've been in the top 20 and in the top 15 for quite a while that all went away. But through mm. another service, I got an email update saying that we were still number 16. So, hey, wow. that's cool. Thanks for that. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And uh, more fun stuff to come. So we promise it won't be quite as long for the next one. <laughs> we had a lot to cover. As we hear a collective groan, you know, in the, in the audience. <laughs> oh, man, really? Can't uh, you cut it down to a half hour, man? Yeah, right, right, right. No, because there's so much more we didn't touch on. <laughs> there really, really is. My goodness. So, oh, all right. Well, looking forward to all that next time. So, all right, man. Well, this was fun. This was great. Yeah, I'm glad we got back in the saddle there. I was kind of kind of missing doing this. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, maybe next time we'll talk about your Canadian fishing trip. How about that? That was a good time. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> Not well, a car to be seen, but uh, a lot of fish. There you go. So you can tune in, of course, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podchaser, iHeart. Tune in. Tune in. Spotify. Spotify, Facebook, and, of course, at V8Radio.com. We encourage you to pick your favorite and uh, subscribe where you can. We'd appreciate it. And we will uh, talk to you next time on V8 Radio.